Welcome back to another episode of Our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and this week I'm joined again by Ben Summer. Ben, how are we? Good in general, pretty good in terms of QPR as well, which is nice. So yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's been a semi-decent week really for QPR, hasn't it? Which seems strange to say considering we've lost at the weekend, but I think ultimately there's positives to be had from the performance. So, you know, we've got a bit of that to look back on. Um, there's the impending slamming shut of the transfer window, which for us will probably be more of a whimper. Um, and then, you know, we, we have got Borough at the weekend. So out of the frying pan of Southampton and into the fire of Borough, you know, you've got two very difficult sides there to play. Um, despite that, Ben, a pretty good performance at the weekend, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it says a lot that I haven't really thought that we'd been bad overall in a game since the Watford one. That's always nice. And yeah, it was a good one at the weekend. I mean, it was quite a personally sort of emotionally taxing one for me. One of my closest friends is a Southampton fan and we've uh, we've not seen our teams play each other since we've known each other. So I was already going to be quite kind of emotional and caught up in it. And I, mean, I was very nervous and, you know, going up to the game and in the opening few minutes and when they scored, I just sort of thought, here we go, this is going to be, you know, return to a three or four or five nil or whatever, um, probably slightly too pessimistically. But then, yeah, majority of the rest of the game, I thought we were good. We did our thing of fading out of the game, but I also thought not as badly as normal. And we could have definitely equalised at the end. Ryan Colley, unlucky or slightly scuffs it or put it down to an experience or whatever. But yeah, in general, it was, I mean, I, it was entertaining to watch. I enjoyed watching QPR for pretty much the entire 90 minutes, give or take. So that's got to be a, a positive, I guess. I, I don't know if you, you thought the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't watching it, but when you get that notification to say that we scored, uh, they've scored, and you just, I think probably quite a few people would sort of echo what you were saying there in the sense of sort of like, oh, here we go again. So when that notification pops up on my phone, the phone quickly went back in my pocket, and I was like, oh, I'm going to just enjoy what else I'm doing on this Saturday, I'm not going to focus on QPR anymore because I think this isn't going to go one way. Um, but a pretty instant response from the man who was making his first start for the club. That was the only t- change to the lineup, as I understand. Jack Colback. Um, what, what have we got here? It was a doze in the 30th minute and Colback two minutes later. So, And, and it's a really nice finish. And the, the most annoying thing for me about this is that this is a good goal for him individually but there's better chances for the team on a, on a whole yeah. throughout the game and there's probably better goals to be scored I think the, the club sort of called it a worldie or something like that it's a very good hit but it's not sort of like top echelon goal um but there was better chance not better chances but you, you know what I mean yeah oh well, yeah there's, there's, there's chance, other yeah. Other chances, more likely chances as well. But it's still nice to see him getting a goal. And I guess that's kind of something that we've been really lacking in the last couple of years. Uh, someone from midfield who can actually come forward and score a goal every now and again. Well, Jeff Hendrick can do it just for Reading. <laughs> Only against us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's getting another championship job as well. So yeah, Where's he going? Uh, I think it was Leeds that wanted him or something. I've got, oh, I've got a friend who. Um, on. Hang on, hang on, really? hang on. I don't want to. I don't want to spread misinformation. Give me a second. I'll I'll, I'll look this up. But I've got a friend who um, <clears throat> supports Newcastle, and we just sort of bond over the fact that neither of us really get the hype. Um, okay, as of yesterday, Football Insider was saying. Football Insider said, "Think what you want." Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday, and West Brom interested. Well, there's your sort of 
smashing. There's been any updates since then? Like, that's the classic football insider, isn't it? Like, we'll just chuck in a few clubs, big, big fan bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Realistically, he's going to Sheffield Wednesday there, isn't he? <laughs> Sky Sports News replicating the claim for what it's worth. Oh, well. anyway. Um, yes, Colback was good. I thought he played well in general. Um, I'm not very good at spotting when a midfielder has a quietly good game, but I think it's what you would call, other than the goal, obviously a quietly good game in that we noticed his absence when he went off. Um, I thought it was interesting playing um, a proper midfield three, I guess just, just due to the absence of Lyndon Dykes, really. You've got to kind of mm. shift things around. And so you sort of always thought that he'd be the replacement for Dazelle, and I've not really enjoyed watching Dazelle in recent memory. Um, and so I was quite looking forward to that. But credit, I thought Dazelle played well. I think maybe Colback's presence there improved him. I thought he had a good game. Um, Field always has a good game and he did have a good game. So I don't know if you go as far as selection headache, but when Dykes is fit again, that's then a question of, well, how, how do you do this? And what was also interesting, I thought, was it didn't really massively change what um, Paul Smith was tasked with doing because you'd, you'd figure that having that midfield three would sort of mean, OK, we'll prop a back four then and allow the wingers to be wingers and all the rest of it. But... Um, Smith was was dropping back and you know makes one very notable mistake doing that and we can see the goal but he was he was decent as well he was putting in tackles and committing fouls that were probably on the balance of it not terrible fouls to commit and all this sort of thing um and I guess you can trace a lot of it well you trace a lot of it back to <clears throat> pardon me Lyndon Dykes's injury but also to the fact that Colback allows us to you know shore things up in midfield and and um I don't know where I'm going with that point. I think there's good formation. I, I enjoyed it. Selection headache. I mean, it gets solved pretty easily if, say, chair gets sold. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and it and it gives you a bit of hope of what might happen if chair gets sold. Yeah. Because chair was decent enough, but he was, you know, if you want to play proper wingers, I've always said I think Armstrong can be a proper winger, and I think he's got the the, the toolkit to make those runs sort of cutting inside from the wing. So if you had a front three of um, Armstrong, Dykes and uh, nearly said Kelman there for a second Armstrong, Dykes and Smith with a solid midfield three and that sort of lopsided thing where Smith drops back so Kakai can play right centre back rather than right back then then yeah yeah. Um, the goal then that we can see the first goal you <clears> already <throat> alluded to uh, Paul Smith making a slight mistake gets caught out and it's a good ball in, in behind uh, by Ryan Manning I think I believe that was after Manning uh, assaulted Smith am I right in saying that? I'm not certain on that one I I, I, I don't want to go anywhere near the Ryan Manning narrative to be honest with you I mean I, I, I don't hate him um, just, some people really it, hate him yeah but it is kind of on brand for him isn't it he's got that dirty little aspect to his game if he did do it or didn't i mean like i said i didn't watch a game so i can't fully remember the incident you're talking about to be honest with you but i thought i, I maybe seen something on twitter that wasn't um correct i don't know um, Listen, he might have he may may or may not have done several <laughs> things what he did do which i don't think i'd fully clock the impact of is that he got assists for both goals which is yeah i don't know it's not karma, but it's something. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you could you, there's the argument there to say that Smith has made a bit of a mistake. He's a bit, you know, he's you know when you're playing a slightly more defensive role in that situation, that sort of overlap, whatever you want to call it, could potentially happen. The the problem for me is the 
effort from Begovic. It's kind of like yeah, it's it's something like they said. It's gone straight at him, and it, he's kind of dived to make it look like he's dived, but he's nowhere near the ball. Yeah, it's it's for. I don't want to be ultra harsh because he's probably been, you know, especially in the Watford game, despite conceding four goals, made a lot of decent saves there um, and could be a very key player for us this season. But uh, already... Good saves at Cardiff as well, but but yeah. Yeah. Already when you're seeing stuff like that, unfortunately, when you're clearly going to be one of the bigger sort of wages player, you can't be sort of slacking in that particular way. You can see goals. You can see goals. There's good goals to concede but there's there's stuff like that and it kind of just reminded me of the way that I used to sort of keep going five aside or just sort of like you have to sort of like flop yourself to the ground every now and yeah, again pretend dive yeah pretend, no, pretend I, dive yeah I, I thought at the time that he should have done better I think he probably should have done better I don't like criticizing goalkeepers for the exact reason that you've said which is that I'm absolutely fucking terrible at it um but yeah um it is a mistake. I, jury's out for me on Begovic overall. Like I said, I, I thought he kept us in the game with a couple of saves in Cardiff where a sort of ball would fly in from nowhere and, and you know, there was, one, there was one shot from outside the box in particular where I remember him making a bit of a diving stop to stop something that shouldn't have been anywhere near him in the first place. But um, I don't know. It's hard to tell with him. I I gave a quote to... Um, the uh, the Swindon advertiser actually about um, Mahoney when he went on loan there, basically saying this is the season where we're going to find out whether he he's going to make it in the AFL, and likewise I've said on here that Begovic as a signing makes sense because we've got two players in Mahoney and Walsh who it's really you know time for us to figure out what they are about, um, and and we've got the luxury of having a year to do that. Has Walsh gone anywhere yet? I, I can't think. I think he's gonna on loan. Might be yeah. wrong on that, but basically, just that we need Walsh or Mahoney to really stake a claim to it because, you know, whether or not Begovic is good this year, he's not the future of of much in particular. Yeah, Joe Walsh is still at the club at this point. Um, I think he's probably playing a lot of development games. Um, the, the thing is with Begovic is that you you look at that squad and I think you can sort of safely say that we've only really got like a finite amount of space to be used up by your aging pro who's going to be good for the squad. He's going to play very, he's going to probably play a lot across the season, but that might be it. You might get one year out of him, but now we've got two, arguably three, arguably four in Begovic, Cook, Colback and Adoma. So yeah, all three, all four of them are at various different stages. You'd probably say that, Colback and Cook, because you know they've recently played at the higher end of the championship, and Cook has definitely had minutes in the Premier League. You'd probably say that they are more likely to last that little bit longer. Adome is don't want to be harsh, but you know, he's getting to the point where he can only be on the bench. Begovic, not quite sure just yet what we're getting here. Yeah, it's it, it it's hard to tell. And and for that to make that contrast, I think Cook's been a revelation. I think mm. he's been unbelievably good. Um, you know, hasn't hasn't faded from games in the way that some of our squad has. I think he's he's changed the mindset of the defence and purely on the pitch, let alone the leadership off the pitch. But I mean, he you know, with with compare how Fox looks next to Gubbins compared to how he looks next to Cook. 
But he's improving yeah. the players around him. I think he, he's his head's on the end of everything. He's making sensible decisions. I I think he's a, a yeah, like I say, a, a revelation. And it's I just think a real real shame that we couldn't sign him when we originally wanted to. Yeah. And and, and the sort of what ifs of that. But he's a, I, mean, I don't want to say anything prematurely. But he's the sort of player where if we've got him for uh, a, we've got him for two years, haven't we? I think. Yeah. I, you know, I'm actually thinking. No, that's that's good. That's I'm I'm happy with that. Mm. Um, despite his age, but then yeah, for Begovic, I'm I'm just not sure yet. I don't want to write him off. I think it's difficult as well to come in. He's had a lot. He's played a lot of t- minutes since coming into the club and played a lot of pre-season. But yeah, it still will take a bit of time to get up to match speed again. He didn't play a lot for Everton. Just off the top of my head. You know, no, I mean I don't know how different that is for a keeper though. Everywhere, every game. Um, you never yeah. know. Like it's just sort of like that gap in your career where you're not playing so regularly. I don't know. I think I forget actually how little or how how long he was at Everton for how little he played. Like yeah. in my mind, his loan to well, it's right in my mind. His his good spell at Bournemouth was a loan back from Everton rather than him just continuing to be at Bournemouth um, after going out on a couple of loans. So the fact that he's yeah he's been at Everton for for two full seasons and played 12 games yeah that's it can't help but I just don't know and I you know someone who knows more than me would know the answer I don't know how much match speed and match fitness applies to to goalkeepers I think it's probably more than a lot of people would actually account for Mm. I think it is still a very difficult position um the goal then obviously we've talked about that nice finish from Colback then you've got Armstrong put the ball in the back of the net after chair. Oh, I was I was standing off. up on the sofa. Would you, were shouting. you convinced that that was off onside? Um, no, I think it was narrowly off. But in yeah. the moment, I had no idea, and it was gutting. Um, yeah, for things to seem to have sort of turned around that quickly. Yeah. Um, I think we hit the crossbar as well. Was that Paul Smith? Yep, yep. And I mean, you can sort of carry this over into the start of the second half where. Um, that's the that's the chance I think where unless I'm getting too mixed up where Smith could possibly go near post but he sort of tries to open up the angle of the shot and, and go kind of far post or far mm. corner basically from quite a tight angle. Um, then you've got one actually I'm picturing this being in the first half but where Chair sort of cuts inside and goes past one and two and three and you criticise him a lot well not you but we <laughs> criticise him a lot for um, holding on to the ball too long but I actually think he holds on to it very smartly there and and works himself into a nice position and is is unlucky. But then he has another chance in the second half where he shoots it straight at the keeper again after creating something out of out of not very much. So it takes a bit too each wide. Each individual there, chance. It? What was that? Sorry. The second one, he takes it a bit too wide. Yeah, it, it narrows the angle, and then the player can the defender comes across, and then you know the uh, Sunderland goal, not Sunderland, Southampton goalkeeper. Pretty much just has to stand there because it to get that back yeah. across into the other corner of the goal, you're going to yeah. have to score a very good goal. It just yeah, and, and we have seen him score those. But yes, um, it, the problem was it, it, every individual chance I could look at that in the moment and go, "That's a shame. Are we unlucky there?" Or God, Tony needs to do a little bit better. But good to good to be in that position. But you let three or four of those stack up, and then when we concede what in my mind is a relatively poor goal, but a very good finish afterwards, which I know we'll get on to, um, we can't have many complaints, which is a shame because I thought we were the better team for 
large, mm. large chunks of the game, probably the majority of the game. Yeah, so that's uh, just before moving on to that goal. Yeah, sorry. 11 shots from yeah. QPR, five on yeah. target. Much more than the seven and three for Southampton, despite the 74% possession that they had in 26. And now, yeah. really, the you know, if you were... If we won the game, we would say the possession stats mean nothing because the one that yep. matters in the top left corner or something like that. It, and that is true. We still haven't won the game. There's that you're not going to survive throughout the season by displaying. Not, not. I'm not saying this well, in a sort of yeah. like in like a second tier type sort <laughs> of podcast rant. Uh, just because QPR might be doing okay and they're a little bit upset about that. What I'm what I'm saying is you, you've got to take those chances. And Ainsworth has reflected on that and said that in his post-match comments that it is a big if, but if we get this sorted, then, yeah, we're going to be okay. Um, but it yeah. does show that you don't have to be that type of hold the ball on forever type team. There's There's, there's a method to the madness and it seems to be coming coming to fruition a little bit seems absolutely likely every game oh definitely definitely honestly i couldn't like i've 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 wanted ainsworth to succeed the entire time i won't mm-hmm. say that i've believed the entire time that he would succeed i am much more sure of it after these past few games and if you just i mean if you looked at the shots that tells the story of how the game actually was if you look just at the possession you would think oh this is classic ainsworth football and, and certainly there'll be podcasts out there that will, that will look at it and 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 think that um we looked really good and it's not not like a warburton fine margins thing like we absolutely should have scored the chances that were created but to to i mean to just, just to see us creating those chances against the team i was convinced would thump us hmm. every time we had the ball we looked dangerous every time we went forward it was effective we were making the right passes players were doing sort of surprising exciting things and, and and tricking their opponents and getting the better of them and we were getting in behind and I mean, just things that i don't feel like i've seen in about you know several years well, realistically just over a year but feels like several years from us um you know if if we I mean, even we've got draw we've got to all sorry well yeah. no I, I i'm more or less done I, I just sort of want to point out like i don't want to sound like i'm sort of defending mediocrity or whatever but i thought we were really really good in this game mm. i really don't have much of an issue with it i've got an issue with losing the game and I really hope we start turning these around. But I'm not looking at that going, this is a team that was like lucky to have chances given their lack of possession and they just weren't clinical enough. This was a team that was creating stuff out of nowhere. And and it, it, it's basically what I hoped Ainsworth football would be rather than what I've seen it to be so far. I guess then you can look to the future and say, it's probably got a limited amount of time before people start getting frustrated, despite how well you play. If you keep losing yeah. games even to good opposition where you've put yourself in a good position uh, at one all you, you would hope we'd get out of that game with the point at, at the very least perhaps with yeah. another goal we you know we win the game but looking at the next three fixtures Middlesbrough away Sunderland at home uh Swansea at home they're not going to be you know we know there's they're not going to be easy games but you know there's not much room for error there I don't think and if you get to the Swansea game and we haven't got a point from those previous two, then all of a sudden the pressure's on again. And something we'll talk about when we look at the transfers that we've made so far this window and how the squad's shaping up. 
a couple of injuries, a couple of more injuries, that is. Yeah. You know, where we where are we going from there? If Paul Smith pulls up, if Armstrong pulls yeah, up. Because yeah. they're, they're crucial to the way that we're playing at the moment. Arguably, yeah. Paul Smith's way more important to QPR than Chris Willock. Chris Willock's like... Oh, incredible. If you get yeah. anything out of him, if you get a goal, it's a success out of Willock. Because he's not going to go for money. If he yeah. does, it'll be absolute peanuts. So at this point, you may, you just got got to be all in on those players that are fully committed to the Ainsworth project. Yeah, and and you're right to say, uh, arguably, an, an injury to, well, I would say an injury to Armstrong, Smith, or maybe Cook would be the nightmare situation. Mm. And and Cook is an arguable one because well, although he's incredible, we've got Dunn and in theory Clark Salter to come back in, um, whereas we don't have another Smith knocking about in the in the cupboard somewhere. Um, yeah, those, those injuries would hurt us. It's a very thin squad, um, and I think if we don't get any wins out of those three games, then suddenly things start looking quite bleak for Ainsworth again. I just mean to say there's been green shoots in the past couple of weeks mm. that make me think this is a guy worth sticking with. And maybe if we narrowly survive this season, it should be, and, and you can't look into the future, maybe we start playing horribly horrible football. But my point being, if we keep playing the sort of football we've been playing and only do enough to finish, you know, 19th or whatever, I think we've got to look at back in Ainsworth rather than, sacking him but so much could change by then and i'm not like naive about that um mm. i just think he's 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 shown a willingness to change his style of football and the players have shown the the magical buy-in that we've heard about and i would like to actually see where that goes even if it doesn't immediately look up but that you, you start thinking differently when you're you know 23rd after 15 games or whatever so i don't know I mean, we'll all know a bit more about it come the end of September. It, regardless, it's a really difficult month for us. We had Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Swansea, teams that at the moment are around us in the league. But, you know, it's a long season and they're only probably a couple of games away from go- at least two of those teams from going on a pretty decent run and ending up at the top yeah. end of the table. And then you've got Birmingham and Coventry. Coventry mid-table at the moment. Birmingham on a yeah. high, obviously. Um for some reason, we're playing them on a Friday night in September on Sky. Yeah, it's really, again, really handy. It's just really useful. It feels like deja vu, although it probably wasn't September last year, but it just feels so similar. But, well, I can yeah. moan a bit about away games being inconvenient for me, but ultimately living in Cardiff, I'm not exactly the target audience when they're planning fixtures for QPR fans, but the Midlands ones are quite good for me, and that's just a useless time to have it, really. But, I just anyway. think, you know... Why? Why put us on TV? We haven't actually, even though there's no, a green yeah, shoot show. No, but then again, they just probably want to put as many Birmingham games on as possible. Um, let's move on to transfers then. Um, I won't list out. Well, everyone what about them? Yeah. Sorry. What about them? What about them? Well, exactly. This is more of a sort of gen- assuming. I'm taking a big risk here. It's not really a big risk because I think we all know how the end of the transfer window is going to go. But let's look at the transfers we've actually made so far. Mm. Who's actually been the one that, without any sort of indication, has been sort of like a really impressive one for you? And then we'll also think about the the fact that we're just not going to sign anyone else. <laughs> it's just the, the overwhelming yeah. news is that there is no news. 
Um, but obviously Begovic, Fox, Colback, Lakesh, Paul Smith, Steve Cook, technically Taylor Richards as well. Yes. Um, what do you, I don't know, is that a, a good window for us? A mediocre window, a bad window, assuming that it's not going to be any more from this point onwards? That's a decent window, I, I think. I mean, given what we've lost, them, I don't think it's improved us necessarily. But then that's from a point of view of me still thinking that Rob Dickey's a good player, which is like quite a dated thing that came from the fact that I didn't get to as many games as I wanted to last season. Um, I think it's good. Like I say, I think I think Cook has really improved us. Um, Lakesh, from the very limited amount we've seen, is is probably good cover and hopefully an improvement on Hammerlinen. Um I think Fox looks steady enough. I mean, I, I don't know if we'll mention he's earned himself a Wales call up from from his performances. So clearly, you know, mm-hmm. something's going okay there. Um, Smith, I think, is a a really good signing. I, I would love if if he gets a goal in the next couple of games to really cement what I think has been an all round decent return. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy. Sort of on the whole, are you happy? Yeah, I'm not I, thrilled. I think... Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not. You know, this is within never having expected a massive window and you see teams yeah. around us signing great players that are already great at this level but pound for pound for each of those signings I'm happy enough. It's a little bit of me that worries about certain positions there's a little bit me that sort of looks at the few of the loans that are going around and think yeah could we have we obviously can't and to be honest if we if we can't and we don't we're choosing not to go down the loan market, which is bizarre. It's probably the first time in a while that we've not made yes. loan signings. Uh, yeah, I haven't actually realised the, the extent of that. Yeah, um, obviously a lot of free transfers, or you know, we did buy Richards off Brighton, so there would have been money exchanged there. Ditto for Steve Cook, but probably at a much reduced rate. I don't know. It's it that feels significant but then again is Steve Cook, Begovic and Colback essentially a one year loan um, are yeah. they going to be good enough to play beyond this season? I think at least two of them yes um, I just think there's you know there's the opportunity for a good loan a good, a good listen, player in, a, in an ideal world champ from a Premier League club could definitely come in and improve it I'm not talking like Iribunum there's definitely strikers out there that we could have been yeah. after. I think a sort of a, a striker who can play out wide and maybe a right back, and I'm a, I'm a lot happier. I think. Yeah. Um, but then again, like we've had we've had right backs on loan, we've had them on short contracts, and dread it, run from it. Osman Kakai arrives nonetheless. You know he. <laughs> I, I, and I and, and I'm saying that again as someone who likes him. I just mean to say like we've not actually managed to get anyone who over the course of a season has cemented themselves as that much better than what we've got. So you're talking about injury cover, and then who wants to come on loan to be injury cover? So it's a bit of a difficult situation. Kakai is, is like the the, re- the reverse of um, Teflon, isn't he? He just sticks he around. Sticks. He sticks. <laughs> He's just well, it's not the reverse of Teflon. Teflon sticks to everything, and Kakai sort of sticks. From a, I don't know, just hangs around at a distance and then resumes sticking to things. I don't know what I don't really want to think about what the analogy is there, but um, no, I don't know. I you'd have to bring someone in who ostensibly is better than Kakai, but if they're that much better, we're not getting them. So you, I guess, you want a Laird who's sort of 
objectively probably better, but not fit often enough. I mean, Birmingham City are going through their thing with Laird now, going, he's great. And I, and I really, like, I, I wish nothing but the best for him, and I hope that he is really good, and I think he's a fantastic personality, and I don't know how much the blame of last season can really be put upon him, but you just sort of look at it and go, yeah, we had that, though. He, he was he was really great for a couple of months, and then and the injuries came in. and Yeah. You know, you need a body yeah. in the right-back position. The... the... Only thing I've seen today is that apparently we could reignite our bid to get that guy from Pete Peterborough, Josh Knight. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, like, doesn't f- sort of make me go wow in any way. Unfortunately, for, especially after what I heard from a, f- a f- friend who is a Peterborough fan. Mm. Uh, essentially, what he said was, if if you're going for him, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel because he's probably does he, like, does he even play okay. right back as well? I think he's a utility player who knows okay. Ainsworth from his time at Wickham. So that yeah. is ticking two boxes there. Yeah. And but I it's, get the, it's the kind of like, why, if, you, if you're going for him, then you're struggling sort of approach. Well, if I'm we're like, going for him as a, as a main option, we're struggling. Yeah. But I, for the sake of having a body around, I kind of, this is me just having this blind trust in Ainsworth that I really, really should not have. Then again, I if at... you sign him, he's going to be. He's not coming on a free. We're having to part with money for him. And whatever yeah. that money is, to us in this particular moment, that's going to be a significant sum. Yes. No, you're right. I, 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 yeah. I just mean to say, you look at a player like Morgan Fox and you don't necessarily think, wow, but I can't name many instances past the Watford game where he's put a foot wrong. And I don't mind having a few players around that are a bit like that and ones that don't necessarily have to start games. But yes, I take your point on the fee, definitely. I think the thing is, well, with Fox is that he's at least been, you know, playing championship football when you've yeah. got someone from League One and they're like, yeah, he's kind of an OK League One player. Kind of goes, yeah, oh God, maybe we've dodged a bullet there. I don't know. Maybe do I really want to see us I mean, spe- just, just spending what money like, we've got like, on him? Just to, just to point out, though, that he and I know he got relegated in in both of them, I think, but he did start every game of two championship seasons and then and then every game of League One season. I'm not. I'm not saying he's some proven championship player, but like he ha- he has played at this level. I don't know. I'm not. I don't really know why I'm defending this. To be honest, I've got no skin in this game. I kind of hope we sign someone better than him. And I just I just don't. This uh, this is why I'm not not a good guy to have on a podcast because I'm just saying going. Oh, I don't know really. I haven't seen him yet. I well, wait and see. You've got to make a decision on this then. If the, if you had okay. carte yeah. launch, yeah. If there's one position you could improve. What, which position is it? If is this if we're not getting rid of Cheryl Willock as well? Uh, well, I assume money has come in from somewhere. So let's say if money chair, has come in. Chair has been sold. Chair has been sold. I would sign. Shit, it's a right back or a striker. I don't know, and I don't think either of them would need like. I don't think either of them would need to be better than our current options. Neither would need to be better than Dykes or Kakai, but you don't want to sign someone who's worse. Mm. You want to be trying for better. I would say... I would say right back, because there's things that we can do if Dykes is injured, evidently. Whereas I think we're in real trouble if we don't have a right back. And then it's a dome of time. I'm a little bit more... I think I would still go striker, but I think also because, you know, Signing a striker is an exciting, sexy signing, isn't it? It doesn't matter who yes, it is. But a few years you ago, people... we signed three, and only one of them is at the club now. 
doesn't matter. It's still, it still would just get people a little bit more excited. I think, like you say, you can do things. Um, if Dykes isn't there, equally, you could probably just you. Could, there's plenty of cover there. Cover there. Do you, you really kind of me? You want to see Morgan Fox playing a right back? Like, what, no, I want like, to see Aaron you, Drew is... play right back. Aaron Drew, forgot about him. Yeah, actually, that's a point. That is a point. So I don't think you know he had a pretty decent season last year. He's been yeah, on he the books for a while. Right. I think Drew yeah. is someone that has got a bit of a future at the club and could be within a couple of seasons of going ahead of Kakai, I hope. And I think yeah. most people would hope that. I just think that the idea of signing a striker is quite entertaining and, and yeah, exciting I, enough to kind of get people going again. And, I, it, you know, it just we know that Dykes isn't the most prolific Armstrong scored the first goal of his career and Smith is playing well, but has made the jump up from League Two this season. So I don't think it's a prolific scoring strike force. And no, no matter who we get, unless it's a really unknown that, you know, a club has faith in, but ultimately doesn't need for the time being, you know, unless you're not going to get someone ultra prolific, you're going to get another sort of like eight goals from a decent youngster on loan perhaps yep. at this point well that's it you're talking about loan because to get a decent striker in the championship you're talking north of three million now something like that more than that more than that and yeah. we signed dykes for what somewhere somewhere around the two million mark ish yeah i think if you played in the championship and scored goals yeah. well you played playing the championship and score goals apparently you signed for ajax well exactly <laughs> i mean i'm not i'm not being funny obviously a good prolific championship striker you're talking 15 20 million in your only game if you're a premier league team now someone who's even recognizably okay you're looking at several million so and and and, and what i will say is if Ilias chair went you know in an hour's time for five million pounds to pull a number out of thin air i wouldn't want us to i wouldn't want to see us oh, no. investing anywhere near the full sum now at this point in the window where our cards are out on the table and everyone's having a little look at them with the binoculars that you get at the opera you know <laughs> i there's just no we're we're in the weakest possible position um so really i'm only thinking loans at this point anyway um even if we get what is a nice sum of money and and can reinvest it at a more sensible time or just put it towards whatever ffp problems we might be flirting with yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so that'll be the question for this week on Spotify. If you had uh, freedom allotted to you by the QPR board, which position would you like to see strengthened throughout the side? Um, I, I don't really have anything else to say about this week. I, I haven't actually watched a QPR game in a long time because of various other commitments. So I'm looking forward to the end of the international break of course the international break as well which contains england versus scotland We've got lyndon dykes versus a Eze in that game potentially uh so my as i said earlier to you ben my dream and also my worst nightmare all come at once uh, sorry when you said that i didn't actually clock what you meant you said that a Eze for england and lyndon dykes for scotland is my dream and my worst nightmare and i figured you just meant both are good but both could get injured <laughs> and, and you know bad thing no no i forgot that we were playing oh okay oh there's a bit of bit of something in that even if it's just a friendly i i hated the england scotland game at the euros oh yeah i've it's, got it's memories despicable. still 
of and I know that you've got the sort of dual allegiances there that I don't, but I hated that game anyway. <laughs> partly because it was England were rubbish. Partly because I've still got in my head there's a moment where the ball goes in, I can't remember if it's a cross or a corner or a chip or what, but it's floating ominously towards Lyndon Dykes. And I just hear the commentator go, and Dykes! And for I would have bet my life savings that that would have gone in the back of the net. And I don't actually think it was as easy a chance as it no. seemed like in that minute. But I just remember him hanging there in the air. I'm gesturing. You can't obviously on the podcast see me gesturing, but that was stressful. Well, I'm looking forward to watching that game in a non-stressful, what is for me a non-stressful environment of a friendly, where yeah. Eze is pretty likely to get some minutes and could just enjoy that. You're not looking forward to it then? No. No, when as soon as it got announced, like I don't. My friend who is also Scottish said, asked me if I wanted to go to the game. I couldn't imagine anything worse, personally. Um, so yeah, you, you yeah. actually turned down the chance to go. Kind of yes, kind of no. Um, <laughs> long story. Um, anyway, we've got very limited time left in this podcast, so um, we'll wrap it up here, and hopefully. We'll be back next week with good news, of course. Good news being that we've beaten Middlesbrough and we've signed two strikers uh, that are going to score 20 goals each. Uh, so, yeah. One of them is Matthew Wells. The other one is Jordan Hugo. <laughs> Don't even tempt me with a Jordan Hugo. Don't even. I, I think he's unfairly forgotten about in that in that uh scenario everyone loved Naki Wells but Jordan Hugel was I, was I nearly cried yesterday thinking about how his final touch for QPR was the best goal that he scored for QPR and he did his hamstring doing it <laughs> well how it's... poetic is that for our Jordan anyway yeah. sorry in a game that didn't matter ultimately thank yeah. you everyone uh, for listening thanks Ben for coming on and until next time come on you Wells.